Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at a millennial's guide to real estate investing. My guest in this episode is Antoine Martel. Antoine is a real estate entrepreneur from San Mateo, California. His proven real estate investment strategies have enabled countless clients realize passive income and financial freedom through out-of-state turnkey rental properties. Martel Turnkey specializes in assisting first-time and veteran real estate investors purchase cash-flowing rental properties in a wide range of markets across the United States. Since its founding, Martel Turnkey, with Antoine Martel at the helm, has sold well over $11 million worth of cash-flowing real estate. While still a student at Loyola Marymount University, Antoine had already began immersing himself in learning the real estate industry, absorbing everything he could about real estate investing, how to set up a team, networking, calculating the numbers, recognizing good deals, and much, much more. Before he even graduated with a degree in entrepreneurship, Antoine had already secured multiple cash flowing properties for the new family business, Martel Family Realty, which evolved into what is now Martel Turnkey. If you've not checked out my new podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets, I would highly recommend it. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time, what I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platform. Uh, we also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. You can also join us on Facebook by searching Cashflow Ninja Community on Facebook. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Antoine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to connect and, and have you on. Um, can you share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Sure. So I'm 24 years old. I live in Los Angeles. I've been investing in real estate for the last five years. I started investing in college. Um, I was was going to university. I was a senior in, in college and I didn't want to get a job after graduating. Um, my brother took me to a real estate seminar. We learned about flipping houses and we decided to flip houses in Los Angeles. About a year into that, we <laughs> decided to give it up and realized we didn't have enough money in the bank to really compete with the guys who were doing it. 
So we decided to just start networking our butts off with people who were investing in real estate, you know, for less than a hundred grand or less than 50 grand. And how were they making it happen? And we started, you know, seeing some guys were investing out of state in places like Tennessee, Ohio, Missouri, um, Kentucky, et cetera. And we started looking at a state to start buying some properties and get, get some cash flow where we could just invest 40,000 bucks instead of $450,000. So my last year of university, I took my dad, my dad had 40 grand saved up. I went to Memphis, bought a house for 35 grand, put five grand into it, um, refinanced the property, gave my dad all his money back. And then I was like, Hey, I can keep doing this after graduating. And, um, he said, yeah. And, you know, paid for my living expenses while I tried to figure the thing out. And by the end of that year, he had around 10 properties in, in Memphis, Tennessee, that we had, you know, fully cashed out, fully refied, just starting with that 40 grand. And then you just kept rolling along. And then after that, after we had that small portfolio, we, people started coming to us, um, like friends and family who had just realized, you know, or taken, uh, taken note that we had started to invest in real estate and they wanted to invest in real estate as well. So they started reaching out to us. Hey, how can we invest in real estate? We have 20 grand, 30 grand, 40 grand. We want to do the same thing you guys have done. And Mm -hmm. then we started selling properties out of our portfolio to these people, giving them the property management company, financing, insurance, everything that they needed because we, we had a portfolio there. So we just gave them the contact information and we started, that's when really the turnkey business started. It started with me just making a little WordPress website called Martell Family Realty and selling houses in our portfolio. And now that business has grown to um, what is now called today Martell Turnkey. And we do over a hundred homes a year in a couple different markets and help all of our, you know, sell properties that have tenants in place, property management in place, fully renovated, help our clients get financing, insurance, um, you name it. We help them, you know, grow a portfolio out of state. Awesome. So yeah. what is the markets that you're in? You said Memphis. What other markets are you guys in? So Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, St. Louis, Missouri, Birmingham, Alabama. And um, if you don't mind talking a little bit about a couple of markets, why you guys are in that market sure. and what's attractive to those markets. <clears throat> yeah, a couple of big things. Um, Memphis, Tennessee, um, the first market that we that we started investing in couple of things that really stick out. So you have FedEx headquarters there. Um, FedEx has spent like over a couple, you know, a couple billion dollars, I think on their, um, their setup there. You, when you land into Memphis, there's an airport for passengers. And then there's a whole other airport for FedEx with a thousand planes that are getting loaded with cargo. It's the second largest cargo airport in the world due to FedEx being there. And that's in the world. Um, so tons of, tons of jobs, tons of people work and live around the airport because they, you know, work at the airport. So, um, for us going into Memphis, we wanted to buy some, you know, affordable B class properties that were close to the airport to kind of, you know, provide housing for the people that were working at FedEx. Um, other than that, I mean, there's, there's Amazon was building a warehouse and now they're building another warehouse. Nike distribution facilities, the University of Memphis is there and has a good employment. And then there was a couple of good neighborhoods or up and coming neighborhoods in Memphis as well, like Midtown Memphis, um, which had, you know, places like Urban Outfitters and Whole Foods and all this kind of stuff. Um, And for Tennessee, that was very forward. 
Um, and then some things about Cleveland, Ohio, which is probably our biggest market for the turnkey rental side. Um, Cleveland is great um, because there's the only market where you can really find that I found where you can find B class properties for less than $90,000 that have very high rents and no crime at all. Um, the other markets like Birmingham and Memphis, um, the property values for those B class properties are much more expensive. They're like 125, 140,000 bucks. But in Cleveland, you can get that same quality of property for 85, you know, $80,000. Um, Cleveland also has the Cleveland Clinic headquarters there. So tons of research is being done and um, they're also expanding roadways going from downtown towards Cleveland Clinic just because the amount of people that are working and living at, you know, in and around Cleveland Clinic is has gone up substantially. Um, there's also, they call it the health tech corridor in Cleveland because there's now that Cleveland clinic is there. There's also a bunch of other hospitals that have perked up because, um, you know, they can take all of the, the people that are working at Cleveland clinic and bring them into their facilities as well. So there's a huge health tech corridor, huge health tech boom going on in, in Cleveland as well. Very, very interesting. What, uh, what markets are you guys looking at other markets in um, you know, what are the key drivers? What is the checklist? Obviously, you mentioned a lot of jobs playing into yeah. this, right? And diverse yeah. employment. What are some of the other things that you guys are looking for for good uh, turnkey markets? Yeah, good question. So I my philosophy is a little bit different than other people's. Um, I have a very, I'm young, so I have a very long, I'm a very uh, forward thinking, <laughs> not really, long-term investor mindset, I guess I would say. Um, what I mean by that is if people are talking about Nashville or Austin or Florida or Texas and everybody's moving there and everybody's pushing their money there, then that's not the place for me. I want to invest in a market that nobody's speaking about yet, but I know is going to become that next Austin, Texas or the next Nashville. Those are the markets that I want to invest in today and own as much properties as I can. And then once everybody comes and flushes into my market, because, um, because of what is been going on the last five or 10 years, then I'm going to be able to reap the benefits of that and either refinance or sell or whatever the case may be. Right. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm looking for in my markets. And for that kind of thing, it's, you know, you look for job growth or population growth and at least make sure that it's steady and that it's happening, but you don't want like huge, huge spikes in population or huge spikes in employment. It's going to mean that that market's too hot. And, you know, for me to go in and buy, a whole zip code is going to be much more difficult than if a market's pretty cold, right? right. Um, so what I look for most importantly is um, the government, um, the mayor, and what is their mindset? What is their driving factors? What is the plan for the city? Um, are they allowing companies like Amazon and FedEx to grow and flourish or Cleveland Clinic to grow and flourish? Are they giving them tax credits and incentives to continue to invest in Cleveland? Or are they incentivizing them to go and find another market that's going to treat them better? So those are the kinds of things that I look for. And it's really just a lot of research, a lot of reading articles, a lot of looking at new developments that are coming. Um, and like even Midtown Memphis, we bought our first apartment building there last year. And you know, there was only one new development construction project going on in Midtown Memphis. Now, if you go and refresh that same map that we were looking at, or all the new developments going on in Memphis, there's probably like five to 10 new developments because the prices have gone up. And it's just like that overnight. 
that, um, you know, areas and zip codes, as soon as that first new construction project is completed and it went successfully, now all the land values have gone up because that new developer got the rents that nobody thought were even possible. But now that you can get those new rents, now everybody's going to go and build and buy dirt for a million bucks. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, you're fr- the money from this turnkey that you're doing right now, you're looking yep. at apartment uh, buildings. Yeah. So we, yeah, we've been doing turnkey for probably like four to five years now. And we've, you know, we continue to continue to invest in single family homes. We think they're great. They're good for beginners to get in, you know, started in real estate to get their feet wet, but it's not a long-term play. Um, once you have more capital and you can break into the multifamily side of things, it's much more easy to manage. Um, you have some scale to it. You can, you know, increase, you can do value add way more easily because it's one roof instead of, you know, 30 roofs. Um, so we started to take some of our capital and to start by apartment buildings in the same markets that we were doing turnkeys. Um, we still really believe in the markets that we're investing in. Um, we're just investing in the multifamily side of things because now we had a little bit more cash saved up in the bank to be able to break into that space. Um, so we've last year, we bought our first apartment building with our own money earlier this year, we bought another apartment building. Those are both in Memphis with our own money. And then essentially what I did is I made case studies for both of those apartment buildings and then went and just all over Los Angeles, just presenting the case study and teaching people and showing people the real actual numbers of what was going on. And, um, you know, people started reaching out to me and I just started making a list of people who, you know, were interested in investing in real estate out of state. And then we're starting now to bring in some investors into some deals that we're doing. And we actually closed our biggest project ever last week, uh, a 24 unit building in Memphis, Tennessee. And now we're working on a, a couple other projects where we're looking to bring in some, some people along the way. Very interesting. Now, Martel uh, Turnkey, you guys also picked a niche of folks that you're serving. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Um, on the sales side or the housing side? Well, the sales and the housing, because you're focusing on assisting first time in vet- veteran real estate. Oh, gotcha. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. So we, for the, I mean, the, the turnkey company is, is great and buying turnkeys are great for people who have, you know, 20 to 40,000 bucks saved up. They have a good W2 job or good stable income. Um, and they have a good credit score and maybe they've never invested in real estate before. And I think turnkey is still a really good option for that group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have 250 grand saved up, you're working part-time, you have bad credit, uh, <laughs> you don't have any tax returns the last couple of years. Well, turnkey is not going to work for you, but you do have some cash saved up in the bank. So maybe you want to go and try to flip houses or wholesale or, you know, buy apartment buildings because those things are going to make um, much more sense due to your financial situation. Um, so yeah, we really target people who, you know, have good stable W2 jobs, um, good credit scores, their first real estate investment, and then they have around 20 to 50,000 bucks saved up. Um, cause we found like, even with just buying an 11 unit building, that we bought earlier this year, it took $450,000 for us to buy just 11 units, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more cash to break into that, that multifamily side of things. Um, and if somebody has 20, 50 grand, you know, with dreams of getting into multifamily, you know, you're not going to be able to, to raise 450 grand for your first project um, with no experience at all. Um, 
So I think that starting with turnkeys and then slowly scaling up from there, once you have a base and solid foundation, then it makes more sense that way. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, what are some of the things that you would say to millennial investors? Because obviously you're young, you started really young. You yeah. started with you know, the single family, you cut your teeth on that, uh, grew this now into a, a business, helping other folks into that. And now kind of progressing into bigger stuff, into yeah. multifamily and, and learning that. What's some of the biggest things that you would share with millennials out there when starting in a real estate investing and, and, and how to speed it up? Yeah. So how to speed it up was the fuel was cash and the people, you know, um, so the, but the cash can come from the people, you know, so maybe the most important thing is the people, you know, um, because for example, we, you know, like a month ago we had four deals hit our desk and we had no cash left over. You know, we're running the turnkey business. We have 50 houses under construction. Um, so it's a, it's a cash game that we're playing a cash flow game. And when those four deals hit our desk, of course we wanted to do every single deal. Right. But we thank God for the last two or three years, I've been keeping a database of people who've been wanting to invest, wanting to invest. And I took those deals, made packages for them, and then shared them with people who, you know, I've met along the way. And so I would recommend just networking as much as you possibly can, even if this is day one, and this is the first real estate podcast you've ever listened to, I would go and start networking tomorrow, go to a bunch of networking, you know, meetups, you can go to meetup.com and find a million of them and just go and start networking with people who are around you, who have way more experience with you than you and just start learning from them and listening in on how they speak and what they're speaking about and what their thoughts are. And I think that, you know, if you can grow just a, a database of those people, then they're going to, once you do start to invest yourself, then they're going to be, they're going to come in handy down the line. Uh, I guarantee it. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities The Real Asset Investor offers, such as their ATM and self-storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is a show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. What uh, would you also share with folks is obviously being very, very young and getting started, 
What are yeah. some of the things that you have to go uh, overcome? What would, what's some of the advice that would, you would give folks on how to present yourself and how to have conversations? <laughs> and yeah. you know, because obviously that's very intimidating for young folks, right? Yep. To be taken seriously in real estate, and yeah. now you've got a track record. Now you guys have had success. You're building up. You're growing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you've got a story to tell. But it could be very intimidating for folks starting. I agree. Yeah, and it was that's a question I get a lot too. It's like how did you at 19, because I flew to Memphis when I was 19 or 20 years old and went on the ground and met all the people on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thank God I look older than my actual age. But I mean, it it wasn't really a big hurdle for me. I never really thought about it. But um, And maybe that's because when I went out there and started networking with people um, and started really telling people what I was trying to do or what I was learning about and asking them a million questions that were you know good questions, um, then they, at the end of the meeting, they would, you know, be like, Hey, by the way, how old are you? And I would say, Oh, I'm 20 years old or 19 years old. And they were like, they were just amazed that I knew how much I, you know, amazed at how much I knew at, at, at my age. Right. And that I was asking such good and detailed questions. So I think that confidence also comes with knowledge. So I would just, I was studying my, you know, my ass off pretty much my whole last year at university. I moved all my courses to from five to 10 PM so I could study and network real estate all day long. And so I think that people actually respected my age and that I was so dedicated and learning so much so quickly at such a young age that they actually respected the fact that I was so young and hungry and stuff like that. So, uh, I wouldn't be discouraged even if you're, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, and still in high school, I would just still get out there and start networking. And, you know, you don't have to say much at the beginning, just sit there and listen. Um, but slowly things will start to, to fall into place for you. And um, then once you do start networking with people one-on-one and you ask them the right questions, they're going to be more amazed um, at how much you know at such a young age. Awesome. Uh, any mentors that you have, folks that you're studying, uh, folks that you're learning from? Yeah, that's a good question. So I have not really. Um, there's been people that I've met along the way where I've learned, you know, little tidbits here and there. Uh, I have a group of buddies now from really that I met through Instagram that, you know, invest in apartment buildings that I've kind of uh, relied on for advice through certain times with the multifamily side of things, but really mentors that I've followed um, along the way, not really. Uh, I mean, Grant Cardone's a good one for, you know, motivational stuff and, uh, you know, 10 Xing things and stuff like that. So I listen to Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk and stuff like that online, but, uh, no real mentors that I've, that I've followed along the way. And I think maybe the reason why is because the turnkey business was such a weird, you know, when you think of (laughs) turnkey business, there's no like book on how to start a turnkey rental, you know, property company. Right. So it was, there was nobody really who had laid the foundation already for me. Of course, I was, you know, listening to a bunch of people who are flipping a hundred homes a year and how did they set up their systems and teams on the ground and construction and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but no real mentor for, you know, my exact plan. Gotcha. Gotcha. What are you currently studying right now? And, and what are you, what are you looking and growing your knowledge base to incorporate into your business? Yeah. Great question. So we're, now that we're moving into the multifamily side of things and slowly moving into the, you know, bringing investors and capital into the equation, there's a lot of learning about legal stuff, which is not fun. Um, But there's also a lot of learning about, 
<coughs> large apartment buildings, how to scale the property management company to manage those larger buildings. Um, and then really just upgrading my, uh, my underwriting. So, you know, when you're underwriting an 11 unit building, it's, um, it's a little bit different than underwriting a 250 unit building. Um, cause you're going to have way more expenses. You may have a pool with a, a larger apartment buildings. There's just way more things to think about with a larger building. So I've kind of just been constantly studying about how to, uh, get into the larger space, how to raise money for that, and then how that all fits in with the legal side of things, which is something we haven't really dealt with before. Cause you know, when we've taken money on before, it's been, you know, 40 or 50 grand and we sign a promissory note and call it a day. But when people are investing 250 grand, um, and you know, investing through their 401k, it's a little bit uh, messier. Right. Right. A lot of different legal loopholes and, and so forth. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're writing a, a book on this as well. Uh, what, what has that process been like and what are you sharing in your book? Yeah. Great question. So the book's called A Millennial's Guide to Investing in Cash Flowing Rental Properties. Um, it pretty much was me explaining how I invested out of state and how I built a team, raised money, how I found properties, how to analyze the deals, and then who you're going to need on your team along the way. Um, and pretty much how people can go out with their own cash and grow a rental property portfolio with their own money and who they're going to need and how they're going to finance um, that portfolio. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what would you say also to millennials about mindset? Because you know, look, in my experience, there are millennials that are absolutely crushing it out there. Mm -hmm. And they've been awarded a bad label by a lot of different folks, which I don't think is really accurate. <laughs> yeah. what, would you, what would your comment be to that? And also, what would you uh, say to a lot of millennials um, that are struggling a little bit and just getting started? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's definitely a, a weird time to be in. Um, and I think always the younger generation is always kind of shat on by the the older generations. I mm -hmm. think if we look at the history, right? Yep. Uh, and so I don't know. I think I think that millennials have a lot of things that the older generation um, couldn't even handle or comprehend or accomplish. With mm -hmm. us, with everything at our fingertips, it's really a blessing and a curse because everything is there and accessible. Then oh, we'll do it later because it's right there. I can just go and do it later, right? Whereas the older generation, you know, they couldn't just um, pick up a phone and or go on Google and search property management companies in Memphis. They had to, you know, <laughs> call somebody they knew in Memphis or go to the Yellow Pages Memphis or I don't even know how they would find a pro. So they would have to get started working right now because they know it's going to take them a month to even get the phone number to call the property management company in Memphis. Um, so I think that with everything at our fingertips, it is just a procrastination issue. Um, for me, I haven't really had that issue ever. I've always been a hustler and I'd rather have a to-do list that said nothing than have a to-do list that said a hundred things. And then once I have a to-do list that says zero, then I can uh, either relax for a little bit or start thinking about what to do next. And so I've kind of always done that to myself and really just try to get everything done as fast as I possibly could and, and then uh, work on other stuff after that. But I think that, yeah, the, the bad rep, I don't really, I think it's just a history thing. And I think that that's been in our society for hundreds of years. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree with you. Just looking at a lot of folks doing a lot of cool stuff because your generation grew up in with technology mm-hmm. and is leveraging technology in many different ways within yeah. your business. Maybe you can speak to that too. And, um, you know, yeah. the, the role that you see technology play in real estate, because this is an industry that's just ripe for disruption. Yeah, I know. I mean, look at, I mean, look at me, for example, I'm flipping a hundred homes for, I live in Los Angeles and I flip a hundred or buy rehab, rent and sell a hundred homes a year, all from a computer here in Los Angeles. Right. So, and my employees live in Orange County, San Francisco, and then another one in Los Angeles, but we all have our own home offices and we never see each other, (laughs) you know? So, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there's no way in hell you could have done this. And it's only going to get better and better as time progresses. Um, you know, I even had a contractor last month FaceTime me at the project and, you know, it saved me a thousand dollar plane ticket. Right. So I, you know, the, um, technology is only going to get better and better. And, you know, we're using, you know, CRM systems, which weren't around, you know, 30 years ago either. Well, to this extent, um, to where we can, you know, manage all of our projects, 50 projects under construction through a whole CRM. And, you know, when a new property's offer has been submitted, it's flagged as offer submitted. Once a property is under construction, we mark it as under or under construction or under contract. It fires off a bunch of automated emails and tells the insurance guy to send us insurance and sends them all the information needed and everything is automated. So, you know, back in the day, you would have to hire tons of people to, to manage that whole workflow. But now everything just with one CRM system can automate all those emails and, and phone calls and replies and all that kind of stuff for us. Now, there's a lot going on um, as far, especially with technology and the property management uh, side that, that you see there and obviously growing on social media and so forth. Yeah. Where do you think this all ends? I mean, because you're, you're just saying too, like you're literally doing stuff all from your laptop and your, <laughs> and your, and your computer. Uh, w- yeah. What disruption are you guys looking at uh, and seeing coming? Because just the way that real estate is still being bought and sold, like, like you're buying it from, your, from a laptop on your computer basically, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And I think that, so the one thing that sucks about, there's a couple of things like mail. So tax company or, you know, the, the, the city and counties like of Memphis or all cities and counties really send tax bills and all this stuff through, through the mail. Still the portals are there and they're okay, but they're not a hundred percent. The other thing is all the S whenever you buy something in the U S uh, or sell something, you have to go to a notary and notarize it in person. So those are the two things that can't really be done through a computer quite yet. And yeah. I think that they're coming. It's just that the escrow companies or the lawyers are not taking the online. There's <laughs> there's online notary companies out there already, and it's a yeah. video chat, and you literally show your license through the video. They take a photo of it, and then you sign the document electronically, and they record the whole thing, and then you can submit it to escrow. But escrow is going to look at it and say, "Oh, this is not a wet signature, right?" So it's it's very old system, but they want wet signatures, they want original documents, they want blah blah blah. I think in the next five to ten years, that's all going to go away. Not going to be in the you know in the south of Brazil and buy houses in the U.S. all day long and be in the right time zone. So 
I think that that's one thing that may be changing over the next five to 10 years for the, you know, acquisitions and disposition side. Property management is going through a lot of changes. That's for sure. Where, you know, one person, you know, man or woman can manage 500 doors by themselves because of automation. So for example, when somebody submits a ticket for a maintenance, like their toilet uh, exploded, then normally it would go to a property manager or somebody who manages that property or that portfolio. But there's now automation with AI because you can, you know, somebody can submit a ticket and say, oh, toilet, and then have a checklist, toilet clogged or toilet blew up. And then it will, the AI will do something, either let let the contractor know that it's urgent and immediate and needs to be, you know, go to this address now and fix this issue, blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of automation that's coming Um it's just the systems that manage those properties or that property management companies use like Appfolio are just a little bit behind and it's going to take uh, I would, you know, a couple of years for them to get on board with the AI and all the automation and integration, but that's coming as well where, you know, you're not going to need, you know, where there used to be like a saying where one person or one property manager can manage, you know, 50 to a hundred doors. But I think in, with automation and technology, there's it's going to be ridiculous um, how many doors one person can manage. And you can have a three-person shop managing thousands of doors because of all the automations and systems. And you don't even need to be in Memphis to manage properties. Yeah. Because it's also the people too, because you're dealing with tenants. Um, and if those tenants are you know 70 or 80 years old, they may not pay through their phone, right? but there may be other tools and systems where they can pay through a, a mobile kiosk or something like that. Um, so it's also the people too. And as people evolve and now as everybody's on a smartphone, um, you know, in the next maybe 10 or 20 years, then, you know, people, everybody's going to pay through their phone. They're never going to meet their property management company. They'll sign the lease online, get the keys through an Amazon box, <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of, a lot of automation that could be, that could be, uh, coming with the uh, property management side. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Um, three principles that we said? Yeah. Three principles would be, number one would be to be humble. Um, another one would be to uh, give back. And then another one would be to, or giving back, not in terms of, in terms of sharing and being transparent and being open about everything you're doing and sharing freely and openly. Um, and then the third one would be, um, hardworking and work ethic and have a, you know, I work a ton and I, I think that that's the most important thing about why I've had some good success over the last couple of years is just because I've been working my butt off. So, uh, that's something else that I would pass down. Awesome. Where can listeners learn more about you and all of the projects that you're involved in? Sure. So you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Martel Antoine. Uh, I post a ton of information there, all free content about what I'm doing, what I'm up to, et cetera. So you can go check me out there. 
And then I also, for you guys, I also have a free book. So my book that I just wrote, it's on Amazon for 20 bucks. You can go and buy it there or you can get it for free. If you go to free.martelantoine.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.